Charmed, and welcome back to Let Me Ruin Your Life. I'm your host, Serena Shahidi, and it's been a minute. It's been quite a while, months, many would say. How is everyone? I'm back, hopefully for good. Hopefully I won't have to take a break that long again, but I wanted to talk a bit. Obviously, it's a podcast, but I wanted to to real talk. This is real talk time um, because I haven't been able to record for quite a while. I've been in a bad, bad place, and I don't just mean Midtown, but that too. I've been in a dark place, and uh, I'm not going to go into full detail now. Mostly because I'm not fully out of it. I don't want to jinx anything. But maybe when I am out, I can really delve into the depths of it. But long story short, and this is not much of a story, but I just had, you know, the worst depressive episode of my 22 years of life, which is a long time. I mean, people don't tell you that about life. 22, ugh. God. Anyway, I took a break, sort of unintentionally, just because I was not able to function, apparently. Uh, you know, I don't need to get into it. Whole nine couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, wasn't having fun, wasn't having a blast, which is criminal. It was horrible. I mean, what is there to say? What is there to say about depression? It's the worst. You like feel nothing, but also feel like the worst things ever at the same time. You can't function. It's so hard to just do daily stuff to keep yourself alive. It's terrible. It's the worst. I mean, what is there to say? What's a girl to do? What's a girl to say about depression? But I'm feeling better now. I'm not feeling 100%, but I can get up. I can go to the gym once a week. I can eat. I can go to sleep. I can talk to people once a week. Thank God for therapy. Thank God for medication. Thank God for just the feeling that feels absolutely clinically delusional at the time that things might not always be terrible. As always, my delusion has saved me. It's my savior as it always has been. So I wanted to say, and this is one of the rare, genuine moments on this silly podcast, I just wanted to say, if you're still here, if you're still listening, I want you to know I'm grateful, okay? I really am. And it's hard for me to be so earnest and so honest like I just was, especially because it's the internet and I am just, you know, zeros and ones coming at you. Is that still how the internet works? Or is that like 90s? I don't know. Nostalgia? Fun. But if you choose to listen to my zeros and ones, or maybe we're in the other digits now, maybe like my eights and threes, I really appreciate that. And I'm glad you're here still. And I hope you're feeling fabulous. Because for once, I kind of am for the first time in a long time so due to the circumstances of my absence I wanted to do a bit of a themed mental health episode even though I hate that phrase mental health doesn't that sound just so cringy like ugh. I literally talk about with my therapist the fact that I think like all mental health stuff is so cringy and he's like you've got to stop but I'm like I cannot think about my inner child like that just feels ridiculous it's so embarrassing but whatever we'll talk about it today not my inner child but some of the other stuff I'm going to answer some questions about my thoughts on mental health and this is a great time to remind anyone old new old and or new maybe you're a little bit of both that I am a 22 year old train wreck fashion school dropout I am not a therapist. I'm not a doctor, contrary to popular belief. 
This is a podcast for entertainment purposes and for silly purposes, my favorite purpose. Any truth you find in it is accidental. And frankly, it's your fault. And honestly, look within if you find any wisdom in this. But I do think that there's some value in talking about this stuff without any expertise or without any right to do so whatsoever. Because there are a lot of things that, not necessarily that I wish I knew before this little epi of mine, before this big old epi of mine, let's be real, or just things that I wish I'd heard discussed in general. Is it still a discussion if you're talking to yourself? We'll pretend it is. And people do, obviously people talk about mental health, especially online. It's a new development. It was just invented. But a lot of that discussion is very much like, it's either motivational stuff that's like, get up and move. Don't be depressed. Go to the gym. Have you seen those videos that are like clearly meant for sad 16-year-old boys that are like, you're depressed. It's because you can't get a girlfriend. Go to the gym. Or the content is just, I'm funny because of my trauma and all that very unfunny stuff. Or my personal favorite, if you're depressed, just unfollow the hot girls you follow on Instagram and stop comparing yourself. Isn't that a great one? Isn't that a great one? As if that's like the definitive solution to anything. And also stop giving that advice. My follower count is going down, guys. It's so rude. So I asked the people on Instagram what you wanted me to talk about mental health-wise, and I got some questions. Once again, last time, this is not real advice. This is not medical advice, unless you want it to be. These are just my silly little observations on my own experiences. This is a silly podcast. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's do this. Question number one. How many milligrams of lithium, JK, <laughs> isn't that kind of a fun thing to pretend like someone asked? Uh, no. Question number one, the people want to know how to help a friend who's going through it. This is a great one. And I have just been that friend. And I've also been the person trying to help them. And it's hard because you feel like you have to be like Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting which I just saw for the first time like two weeks ago, so obviously I'm going to reference it now. You know that scene where he's talking to Matt Damon? Matt Damon was so cute in that movie. Uh, and he goes, it's not your fault. He just keeps saying, it's not your fault. Oh, what a scene. But you don't have to be that. He was a therapist. He was a therapist at MIT, which sounds rough. Those engineers, are you kidding me? Issues. You know, obviously you don't have to be a professional. I think there's this idea that you have to give like this big inspirational speech and inspire them to live life to the fullest. And if you're in Goodwill Hunting, like go get that weird girl who like kissed Matt Damon with a mouthful of food. Do you remember that scene? Interesting. Interesting choice. It was a good scene. And I think you should remind people, you know, I'm there for you. Life is worth living, even though sometimes you're like, mm. <laughs> is it? You know what I mean? But here's what really helps. Because the hardest thing when you're going through it are just all the simplest things. Your room gets messy. God knows. And I sew. So there are like pins all over my floor. It's literally hazardous. You don't like check your emails. You don't reach out to people. I haven't responded to a text in like three weeks, please. And when you're in the throes of madness also, everyone is telling you, get help. You know, therapy really helps. Medication really helps. And it does. But no one acknowledges how annoying that help is to get. Therapists are great. You have to shop around. You have to feel out the vibe. You have to have a kind of first date situation with them. You have to make 15-minute phone call consultations. You have to call offices. And they, like, don't call back 80% of the time. Medication, it takes a while to find the right pill or the right cocktail. Most medications take like six weeks to work if they do at all, which no one tells you. And psychiatrists, girl, good luck. Good luck. I'm like the best point that I've been in mental health wise in the past year. My psychiatrist just broke up with me, literally broke up with me. Here's how it happened. And then I'll get back to this question. I had a 
I was about to say meeting with her. We were in the boardroom. We were going over some numbers, some balance sheets. No, we had this appointment. Regular appointment. Everything was all hunky-dory, so I thought. And then we schedule the next one. All's good. I hang up. Bye-bye. Kisses. And then I get a message on the app that I used to meet with her because it's virtual. Ever heard of it? That's like, this psychiatrist actually doesn't have any availability. We're going to put you with a new one in the same practice. Hello? And I talked to my beautiful twink therapist about this, and he said, you know, maybe she had some personal issues. Maybe she was let go. And that's true. But I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure that's possible. I don't think that's the case. She literally broke up with me. She dumped me. And she took the coward's way out at that. Imagine a lover did that to you. You have a call. You make, you schedule your next date. Let's go to a jazz club. Fun. Romantic. And then you hang up and you see a text. Mm, It's over. Let me set you up with my friend. His name is Ryan. That would be rude. That would be very rude. And this is what psychiatrists do. I mean, with all respect to doctors, believe science, believe doctors. But psychiatrists being doctors is sort of a gray area. You don't realize that until you go see one, and then it's like, ooh, I don't know if you went to med school. I really don't know if that's true. That doesn't feel right to me. That doesn't sit right in my soul. That feels false to me. Anyway, so psychiatrists are a bitch, basically. And no one tells you that. They act like it's so easy. So if your friend's going through it, figure out what kind of help they need and are able to get from professionals and how to get it literally be like get your insurance card out girl if they have insurance not all of us do unfortunately but there are sliding scale therapists get your insurance card out maybe and a pen and paper i'm coming over we're gonna go on psychologytoday.com or org probably that one feels like an org to me i'm not quite sure we're gonna find you some people find a bunch honestly because Like, don't play favorites. It's like dating in your 20s. You kind of have to cast a wide net because the quality is often questionable. We're going to find you some people and we're going to clean up this disgusting place a little. We're going to dump out all the half-empty Diet Cokes. We're going to clean up the rotting food that's next to your bed. We're going to pick up all the sewing needles that are on the floor. Use a magnet. (laughs) Life hack. And let's get you some appointments scheduled. That is the best thing you can do, I-M-H-O, in my honest opinion. And also just be like, I'm going to check up on you, okay? My friends and I, we just text each other, wellness check, exclamation point. We don't do the whole like, oh, I'm going to call you and tiptoe around, like, how are you feeling? If we know someone's going through it, it's like, wellness check, hello, are you okay? So that's my advice if a friend is in the throes of madness Get those appointments scheduled, get that room cleaned up, and get some wellness checks in. Not literally, unless they really need it. Don't send the police to their apartment for no reason. A little wellness check text every once in a while. Next question. This was something that I thought about a lot in the throes. Do you ever go through a phase of not wanting to get better, like it just felt safer to be miserable? And then a different person asked, in that same vein... How to recognize that depression isn't a safe space. And here's the conclusion I came to. First of all, I think when you're in the middle of it, this seems like more of a problem than it actually is. And let me tell you why. Because I think with depression in particular, the fucked up thing about it is it just like takes away your ability to fight it. I saw this awful Joe Rogan experience clip. It was on my TikTok for you page. You know, sometimes that algorithm gets you questionable stuff. Don't come for me. Come for the algorithm. But I I did watch this clip because I was like, let me see what this is all about. It was Joe Rogan and another guy. And they were talking about depression. And they both said they'd never, never experienced it. And one of them was like, I actually think I would like it. 
Because I like a challenge. I like a little bit of a struggle. To me, it would be a motivator. Girl, like, wow. I mean, it's not a, a challenge in that sense. It's not like a hottie you have to chase. It's not a 1,000-piece puzzle. It's a sickness <laughs> that literally takes away your ability to be motivated to do stuff to help it, which is sick of it. Sick and twisted. So the first thing I would say, don't beat yourself up about your lack of motivation because it's not a sign that you don't want to get better. It's a symptom, baby. It's in the DSM-5, baby girl. It's out there, I swear, and it'll get you. <laughs> it really will. So if you feel like you don't want to get better or you don't want to do the things that could help you, that's just a part of the journey. And I don't think that makes you someone who's like obsessed with depression or like, I love being miserable. I think it's just part of it. But I will also say there is something to the saying about the devil you know being better than the devil you don't because it is easier to stay in bed and be miserable than to go out and be miserable in a different way and like I'm not trying to say stay in bed all day because the outside world is terrible but if you're leaving your bed to go to like a club and I mean like a club club I prefer the devil I know I prefer to stay inside rather than go to somewhere nowhere or elsewhere over there, whatever it's called. So I understand the emotion behind it that like goes beyond the actual symptom. But also you don't have to have this one of those big realizations in a movie that precedes. Is that the word precedes the montage? You don't have to be like, oh, my God, I want to get better. I'm going to go run on a treadmill really fast and stay up all night cleaning my room. (gasps) That would be such a blast. With Sarah Bareilles' Brave playing in the background, yes, please. Don't mind if I do. And here's a concept I really like. I'm going all over the place here. I'm jumping here and there. I'm arguing with myself. Um, I love the concept of an upward spiral. And to talk about this, I do have to admit that I read a self-help book. (laughs) This is, I told you this was real talk. This is, we're being vulnerable. We're admitting our mistakes, our flaws, our little quirks, our sick little quirks. Yes, I was at a low enough point to read a self-help book. It happens to the best of us. I've had days that made me believe in crystals and go out and buy them. You know what? That happens. It really does. But the idea behind the book is it's spiraling in reverse. Because how do you get to a bad place? I mean, a bunch of different ways. (laughs) But a lot of the time, it's through those little decisions. That momentum that builds up with those little decisions here and there. You decide, you know what, I'm going to go on a bender. And then you call in sick for work the next day. And then you cancel plans with your friends. And then you rot in bed for a year. You know, it happens. It does. But you can also do it in reverse and get into a better place that way. But you start with the little decisions. Let me take a walk around the block. Let me get a few minutes of sunlight. Let me buy a sad lamp. I literally have my sad lamp right next to me, just glaring in my face right now juicing me right up like that episode of Broad City ever seen it I also just recently found out that you can buy like sad lamp glasses they're $200 so I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask for them for my birthday that's pathetic but it's true they're like these glasses that you turn on and put on and it's just a sad lamp right on your face it sounds amazing to me I can't imagine a better accessory I should wear it to fashion week So make those little decisions and make a little gamble that maybe the motivation will come to you if you take action first, which isn't always the case, but try in case it is. That's the big idea between like, between in, hello, behavioral activation therapy, which I know nothing about, but my twink therapist brought it up and was just like, that's when you do stuff first and hope that the feeling follows So I assume there's science behind it. I don't know. I probably should have Googled this before (laughs) I mentioned it. 
Maybe it's been entirely disproved. Oh, my God. I mentioned CBT. Is that what it's called or is that the weed oil? I mentioned CBT. Yeah. Cognitive behavioral therapy on my live the other day. I was on TikTok live and people were coming for me. I was like, oh, I did not realize that it was this controversial thing. But I totally understand why it is, because it's the idea that your thoughts create your feelings, which I, I know there's evidence to back that up. I don't know if that's been the experience for me. I think my feelings are at the forefront of it all. So do little things first, and hopefully that'll increase your motivation to get better. And I don't believe that it's possible to get out of depression just by recognizing that it isn't a safe space. Because I feel like, you know, don't you know that? You see what it does to your life. Woof. It literally shrinks your brain, which I learned recently. Great. Isn't that fun? I can feel my brain rattling around in my head right now. There's just empty space in there. But I do think it can be helpful to be like, hey, my bed isn't a safe space. At least to spend all day in. I'm not saying there's like a nuclear reactor under your bed. My bed isn't a safe space to spend every second of every day in. Let me get out of it. Let me go somewhere. Let me, I don't know, pace around my apartment at least. The little things. Next question how to make therapy sessions productive. And someone else just asked me to talk about therapy because they like (laughs) to hear me talk about therapy, which, okay, I love that. First of all, I would say, make sure you pick the right therapist or like the best fit for you and your needs, whoever takes your insurance or has a sliding scale or whatever. I know not everyone has infinite options. I mean, including me, but I have insurance. Sorry to brag. Um, shop around a little bit. Finding a therapist is like finding a boyfriend in New York City. They're all expecting you to shop around a little bit. They're all expecting you to dabble here and there. That's just the norm. And figure out what's important to you in a therapist when you're doing that. Because I know for me, I need someone who's cool with like joking around. I need someone who, if I make a joke, won't, at least won't every time be like, let's break that down. Let's break that down, shall we? And I don't want anyone who makes me cringe. Like, I don't know why that's such a big thing for me. But like, I just can't look at myself in the mirror and tell myself I'm strong. Like, it's just ridiculous to me. I I don't know what to do with that. And for me, that just isn't helpful. I don't want to be told to say affirmations. But maybe you do. So find someone like that. No shame. When you find a therapist, what I do, I take notes during the week. And I, ever since I got an iPad and became a new person, (laughs) I've been tracking my moods, which helps a lot. I write down like how I'm feeling morning, afternoon, evening, and if anything caused it, which normally (laughs) nothing, (laughs) it's just how I'm feeling. And then if there's anything like, ooh, I ate a sandwich and I'm intolerant to gluten or like my meds got changed, whatever any other factors that you think might be important or might be influencing the way that you feel. And I know the way I track moods is pretty intense. Like three times a day is a lot, but my moods are very intense. They're very all-encompassing. And I don't want to depend just on how I'm feeling that specific therapy session because that's probably not indicative of the way I felt throughout the week. Like I might feel amazing then and I have had just the most horrific week, but I always convince myself that whatever feeling I'm feeling in the mom is like how I have always been and how I will always be like if I'm just so hopeless depressed I'm like this has been my entire life I've never had a moment of happiness I've never giggled at a joke before in my life but then if I'm feeling great I'm like I've never had an issue what why would I have ever had a problem that doesn't sound like me that's just not the kind of girl I am that's not my style So I track my moods like crazy, but you don't have to. Also, I hate to say it, but bring to therapy, maybe not at first, but eventually bring like the topics and the thoughts that kind of scare you the most. Not like snakes or whatever you're afraid of. For me, it's throwing up. I'm such a, ooh, I have such a phobia. I don't know why I'm sharing that. But bring the stuff that's like, is there no hope for me? The stuff that like, as soon as you think it, you're like, stop, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up. Talk about that. Because as soon as you talk about it out loud, 
especially if you've never spoken about it before, it kind of reduces the power. Like I talked to my therapist recently. I was like, I have done hardly anything in the past year because I've been so depressed. I feel like it's over for me. Like, I feel like I'm never going to have a career. I'm just going to have to get married and move to Connecticut. And I'm just done. And I hadn't said that out loud at all. I had kind of joked about it with friends. But the second I heard myself say it, I was like, first of all, that's not that bad of a thought. Maybe I'd thrive in Connecticut, whatever. If that's worst case, so be it. And also, it just, I don't know, it feels better to say it out loud. And to sometimes realize, like, that's not true. That actually sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth, even though it makes perfect sense in my head. Bring that stuff. And I also, I mean, in therapy, I talk about, like, dating. I talk about pop culture. I'm like, oh, my God, can you believe this drama with my friends? Let me redo the text. It's not all deep, dark secrets. Because that just wouldn't be true to me. That just isn't what I think about all day, every day. But I do bring in the heavier, scarier stuff sometimes. Because why pay a professional who's literally sworn to secrecy, cannot tell anyone anything, like, unless you're in danger, if you're only going to talk about things that you're comfortable talking about, like, call a friend at that point. Talk about scary stuff with your therapist. It helps, I promise. Another thing, last thing, and this is something I learned recently, that at first I was like, this is the worst news I've ever received, even though it was like a true thing. I was like, this realization is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I learned recently that emotional work, or whatever you want to call it, sifting through all your stupid little feelings, is about accepting those feelings and bringing them to light more than it's about solving them. And this is so sick and twisted and so annoying. Because especially when you're going through it, you just like want it to end. I just want a solution. I want to problem solve. Let's brainstorm, baby. But for me, spending so much time coming up with solutions or coming up with like, maybe this is at the root of it. And I'll talk about this a little bit more. Maybe like I'm not getting enough vitamin D and like that's the thing. And if I just go outside more and get more sunlight, like that'll fix everything. For me, that was just another form of avoidance. And if you're like me, avoidance is your thing. Avoidance is my vice somehow. Like, I just disappear into my room. I don't talk to anyone. I don't do anything. Why do you think I just disappear when I'm in the throes of madness instead of going on the internet and just being crazy? I mean, sometimes I do that. But most of the time, I just avoid everything. So don't focus too much on problem solving, even though that's all you're going to want to do. And when you don't focus on that, your problems get solved or get better. I guess things don't really get solved. But that is kind of the quote-unquote alleged solution. Next question. And I have so much to say about this. You have no idea. Okay. Someone wants to know my thoughts on self-help. Now let me start off with a tangent. Let me start off with something tangentially related. Because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And how indicative of our cultural values is it that right now self-help and self-care are all the rage. Isn't that such a modern American thing to just want to do it all ourselves and believe that nobody should be taking care of anyone else in any capacity? We need other people. We do. It's annoying once again. I wish we didn't. But we should be helping each other. And no book or mental health tip or Canva infographic can replace the help of other people, tragically. Someone else asked if this episode has like changed any fundamental beliefs I've held, and I think that's the biggest thing, is that you need other people, and you can't do it all alone. But you can still be yourself and like exist in your own space and get help from other people. And the dominant cultural idea right now, I saw a TikTok of a girl crying because she has no friends, right? Valid. We've all been there at different stages of our lives, probably. I mean, God knows I have. It's tough. That's a rough thing. And a comment was like, girl, good for you. Friends are evil. What? What? (laughs) And of course, some people are evil. We know this. We're aware. 
But that doesn't mean you don't need other people. Some foods are poison. That doesn't mean you don't need to eat. And I think we assign value to like being independent, not relying on anyone else. I just need my books and my fitness plan and my meal plan. And it's just me against the world. Why? There's no value in that. There's no award you're going to get at the end of your life. Congratulations. You didn't accept help from other people. I would also say if you treat other people that way and don't help anyone else, that's probably actively a bad thing morally, ethically. Not sure if I know the difference. All the self-care, self-help nonsense is just an attempt to like replace the idea of community in favor of what's more conducive to just being productive because it's all we care about who cares about anything else it's all about productivity isn't it but some of the most important things in life look like a waste of time having your little fun with friends traveling doing some silly little arts and crafts did you know there are sewing patterns on etsy that you can just buy and it's a digital download and you can go to your local staples print and ship center and print them out on eight and a half by 11 paper and tape them together and cut them out and then make a top that's important to me i just learned that and i made two crop tops waste of time no because i had fun and now i have two tops two new crop tops but i think friendship and community are more important than whatever stupid bullshit schedule you make, stupid diet you follow, stupid supplement Jerogan recommends. None of that can replace other people. And I wish it could. I wish it could. <laughs> I wouldn't have to text people back. I mean, I don't text people back, but I wouldn't feel guilty about it. Anyway, my thoughts on self-help beyond that. I mean, my primary thought, and this has been said a million times before, but I think it's an industry that relies on people failing so they'll come back and spend more money. It's like the weight loss industry. It doesn't benefit from actually helping people develop like good, healthy habits or a good relationship with food because then it wouldn't have to exist anymore. If self-help, if self-help, if so, if self-help folks worked, hello, you would stop buying them. Unless you're one of those freak, like, tech guy biohackers who take, like, nootropics, or nootropics, I don't know, smart drugs that they buy from the depths of the internet and do keto and all that. Unless you're one of those freaks, which I assume nobody listening to this is. Unless you're listening to this with your boyfriend, which a lot of people have told me that they do, weirdly, to which I say interesting relationship does he even know what i'm talking about i feel like this is such a like girls gays podcast do men know what i'm talking about do you get the vibe i don't know you know what else annoys me about self-help it just relies like so heavily on contradicting itself as an industry every book is like forget everything you know ever been told to work hard wrong ever been told to take a break somehow also wrong you're like, what are you talking about at this point? Don't take this advice. Forget this advice. No, remember it again. No, forget it again. Remember it once more. What are you talking? What are you guys on about? You're crazy people. All the biggest self-help books I've noticed exclusively either repeat or contradict each other because none of them are saying anything. I listened to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club episode where they... Uh, read Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And it's her being like, here are all the lies I've been told. Lie number one, success is something that happens. And you're just like, what does that mean? And also, what do you mean? I don't even know what you're arguing or what you're refuting for that matter. Nobody has said that to me. What is going on on this day? It's ridiculous. Nobody's saying anything real. And I had a conversation with my twink therapist. He's getting so many shout outs. He's getting so much clout. I had a conversation with him about like the amount of mental health advice that's available in this day and age. Because I was just like, you know, I'm like Googling everything. I'm adding Reddit behind it. You know how it is. 
trying to solve everything, trying to figure out every symptom. And I was so frustrated because of all the like conflicting messaging and advice I was getting. I mean, I felt like shit. I could hardly function. But also everywhere I looked, there was something that allegedly, quote unquote, helps. And to me in that space, I was like, okay, great. Another thing to add to my to-do list that I've already crossed zero items off of this month. Like I have to eat this thing. I have to keep this schedule. I have to do this workout. I have to do this type of journaling. It's so overwhelming. And the amount of information in books or on the internet can obviously be a great thing. Shout out to NASA. I don't know why them. I like the pictures. I like their little pictures. They're so cute, NASA. But when you're already in a bad place and you can already like hardly do stuff, it doesn't help to have a million voices in your ear telling you what to do or telling you, oh, this is going to fix it. No, it won't. Yes, it will. And my twin therapist was like, yeah, you're having trouble. And that kind of messaging and the frustration and the just paralysis that comes with it is making it worse. And his advice was just decide on a few things or maybe like one thing. It depends on where you're starting out. I don't know. We'll just say a couple things that should help. And I'll add not things from a self-help book, not from your gluten-free mother, who I love, but I don't think grains are my problem personally. Not from some like niche supplements subreddit. Stuff like exercise, socializing, sunlight, eating meals, to whatever ability, you know, you can muster. Maybe exercise is just pacing around. Maybe socializing is just texting a friend. But stuff like that is what really helps. And all this like convoluted self-help advice is that way on purpose. Because if they just told you, like, hang out with people and leave your apartment, they wouldn't sell any copies. It has to be Rachel Hollis being like, lie, you should leave your apartment, which is my (laughs) internal monologue. And going back to self-help, just as like a mirror of the weight loss industry, there are always going to be a million theories, a million gurus, a million things are are supposed to help according to one person on the internet but usually like the simplest things are true eat fruits and vegetables and proteins like whatever duh if you don't feel good when you eat something don't eat it the simple stuff the classics let's play them and the same applies i think to mental health you know sleep eat socialize go outside talk about your feelings take your meds if you need meds everything else is just unnecessary noise and maybe you can try that later but for now let's stick with the stuff that works let's not try the whole 30 diet let's try eating three meals a day another thing i have so much to say about self-help this is what i spend my time thinking about it's just such a losing game when you're a person with finite energy because you can always whatever they say you can always get up earlier you can always meditate for longer you can always do more work You can always be thinner, look better. American Psycho, anyone? TikTok sound? And nothing will hold you back like the knowledge that you could be doing more. Who gives a fuck? Of course you could be doing more. But at what cost? And also, who cares? More isn't always better. Some of the most content people I know have just the most abysmal sleeping schedules I've ever seen. Some of the most successful people I know are absolute degenerates. You ever met an investment banker? Are you kidding me? My friend works at the S&P. There's a bar in the office. They go there for lunch. Those men are drinking all day. It's literally like mad men in the present. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And I'm not recommending being a degenerate. Okay? Obviously, that's a terrible, terrible jumping off point. But I think the information that there are degenerates out there doing well... Or maybe they're not doing well. You know, they're doing something. I think that information is useful when you're being surrounded by so much information about everything you could be doing better and how it could fix your life. And maybe it will. Probably it won't. I don't think waking up at four o'clock inherently helps anyone. Unless that's, maybe that's your truth. 
If it is all due respect, I mean, not all due respect, like a little bit of respect. Uh, I don't know. Of course, there's a correlation between living, quote unquote, well and feeling better. But it's not exactly linear. I mean, honestly, I felt my best when I was like going out every weekend until the wee hours of the morning, even though it completely fucked up my sleep schedule. But I was with friends. I was having new experiences that worked for me at the time. I'm not going back. Girl, my friends call me at 11 and are like, you want to go to the club? What are you talking about? I'm in my old hag era. I'm in my old crone era. But I love it. Anyway, that's my thoughts on self-help. Stick to the simple things. Figure out what the simple things are that work for you. And cut out the rest. Because you are a badass is not going to fix you. And if you're reading it, there's a good chance you're not a badass. Last question. Someone asked for book recommendations about mental illness. Love this question. I've read the classics, of course. The Bell Jar, Prozac Nash. I went on a date with a guy, have I ever told this story, who said I reminded him of Elizabeth Witzel. He knew her, apparently, but it was like, it was such an odd date. Because he asked me, would you rather go for dinner or drinks? And it was a first date off of Hinge or something. So I was like, let's go for drinks. You know, if we don't connect, I could just have one and bounce. And we go to this like hotel bar thing. I don't know. It was in the East Village. I order a cocktail. He orders an ice cream sundae. And I'm like, what's the story here? And he goes, oh, I don't drink. And I was like, okay, interesting choice to give drinks as an option. But I had half the ice cream sundae, and it was really good. Anyway, I've talked about my love for her before. Speaking of Celebrity Memoir Book Club, I was on there to talk about her book. Carrie Fisher's books are great. They're fantastic. She's bipolar. She's struggled with addiction. And I love just the way she talks about things with so much humor and just such natural humor. Like, you can tell she didn't write a book outline. It was like, depressing thing, depressing thing, depressing thing. Let's put some jokes in. Like, it just, you can tell it comes to her. And one of the things that I loved that she talked about was just talking about how her emotions are like weather, and they're just completely independent of outside circumstances. Because for me, that really resonated. Everyone always talks about, you know, oh, when this happens when you have a breakup, whatever. But my emotions do not line up linearly, linearociously with what's happening in my life. So if you want something funny, but also dark, I'd say start out with uh, either Postcards from the Edge or Wishful Drinking, both great books. Everything she wrote is fantastic. Um, At one point in this epi, I got really into reading accounts of depression just to remind myself, like, you know, I'm not the only one to go through it, which I knew. But I'm also like, I'm so special, though. I'm so special. Nobody in the course of human history has ever felt this bad because I'm just the most special girl on Earth. So I wanted to snap out of that little delusion. Uh, Darkness Visible by William Styron. Styron. Anyway, it's a memoir about depression. It's only like 80 pages. It's very poetic. It's very dark. And what I like about it, it talks a lot about the sort of symptoms of depression that aren't really talked about a ton. Because when we talk about mental illness, we kind of just talk about the symptoms that are used to diagnose it in a clinical setting. We don't really talk about just the other stuff that happens that's associated with it that isn't used to diagnose it. Like, there are other elements that he talks about, the inability to describe the feeling or think about anything else, the physical pain. Like, it literally causes you physical pain. Let me tell you right now, I had horrible back pain this past year. I went to, I was so desperate, I went to a chiropractor, like some sort of freak loser, I went to a chiropractor, and of course, he was like, everything is wrong with you. He was like, your discs are fucked up, first of all. Your spine is bending in the wrong places. And your feet are flat. 
on top of all that, he told me my feet are flat, which is rude. And so I did that whole thing for a few months. Nothing was helping. And then I finally went to an actual back doctor who had like a certificate and like went to school and all that. And she looked at my x-rays and was like, yeah, everything's perfect. Everything's fine. Like I can refer you to a physical therapist, but based on your x-rays, nothing is wrong at all. And that's when I was like, oh, this is literally in my head. Like my head is causing this. I swear to God, as soon as I realized that, 85% of the pain went away. How crazy is that? Is that what the body keeps the scores about? Because I haven't read that. But I didn't realize, I knew that like mental stuff could cause physical pain, but I didn't realize that so much of it could go away if you just notice that that's what's happening. And now I don't have excruciating back pain at 22. Anyway, next book, The Noonday Demon, An Atlas of Depression by Andrew Solomon. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm terrible with these last names. They're like six letters long and I can't do it. Anyway, it's part memoir, part nonfiction, and it's truly just a tour, like a thorough tour of depression. His personal experience, biologically, politically, culturally, like it's just so thorough. And what I love about it is he just captures the melodrama of depression so well. I literally, I had to write this down when I heard it. I was listening to the audiobook and I had to write down the quote because there was a time in his depression where his friends told them they were having dinner with another friend and he wasn't invited. And he wrote, he felt, and I quote, stricken to the core as if I had been told about a murder plot. I mean, if that doesn't convince you to read it, if you haven't already, I don't know what will. Actually, he did a TED Talk that was also great about depression, so maybe that'll be the thing. I think it's called, like, The Secret We Share. Last book, and I'm going to do something I've never done that I alluded to earlier, and I hope that I will never do again. Fingies crossed. Literally, God forbid. I'm going to recommend a self-help book. These are the lows that I got to. I was in a low enough space to read a self-help book. I know. I told my therapist, oh my God, I told my therapist recently, I had had a day that was so bad that I just, and I've never done this before, I started listening to sermons. No joke. And I'm not that girl. I'm not a religious girl. And these were like probably mega church pastors who were doing this. Is pastor even the word? I wouldn't even know. But I was just in such a bad mood that I just needed someone in my ears being like, God's got you. I'm like, oh, thank God someone's got me. Literally, thank God. Even my therapist was like, that does not sound like you. He was shocked. His jaw dropped. And you know that therapists don't have those reactions often. But, you know what? If you need something, you need it. If you have to listen to a megachurch preacher... Oh, that's what they're called. I don't know why that just came out of my mouth, even though I didn't know the word for it a minute ago. If you have to listen to a megachurch preacher so you don't end it all, go ahead. If it's that or the ledge, so be it. Don't donate to a megachurch. Don't, you know, probably don't agree with their thoughts on most things. But if that's what you need in the moment, it's better than many other things. Better than heroin. Recently, I've just... uh, Recently, I just really understand why people join cults. Like, I get it. You know, I used to be like, why would anyone be a part of that just because of a mass delusion? But now I'm like, maybe the delusion is the point. That sounds like such a relief. Maybe a dash of delusion sounds a little delicious right now. Plus, if you're in a cult, you get like a schedule and a community. Ugh. Anyway, I previously mentioned The Upward Spiral by Alex Korb. I don't know why I'm talking about this book like it's a Scientology course, but that just shows, you know, it goes to show my opinion of the self-help genre. I'm being quite theatrical. 
but it is written by a neuroscientist and it talks very sciency like about the potential causes of depression, how it works, and just small neuroscience backed things that help. It's a lot of like, we did this to mice, which is interesting because it's like, okay, where do you find depressed mice? They must be very in demand. I wonder the price. But a lot of the stuff he brings up, if you read this, is going to annoy you. I'm going to be real. It's going to annoy you. It's like, you know, try exercise. Try sunlight. Try gratitude. The mice are just writing down like, I'm grateful for cheese. (laughs) Terrible joke. Awful, awful joke. That was actually fucked up of me to say. Um, I will say, you know, it's different from other books that are similar because it is like science backed and not just going to throw a bunch of stuff at you that makes no sense. But what I really like and that I think is a concept that's like probably more useful to understand than like reading the entire book would be. What I like is the idea of the upward spiral and just like it's based on the idea that these little life changes have big potentially effects. I'm being so defensive about reading a self-help book, but I'm talking to myself. Like, I'm mad at myself. Anyway, I like that idea because then the stuff becomes suggestions and little things here and there and not just this massive to-do list. Like, the idea is starting small and building up. So if you just believe that idea, honestly, you kind of don't need to read the book. TBH. But if you do, go into it with an open mind because I know for me it's so easy to be like, well, I'm special And this is just who I am. And none of these things are going to work for me because the people they did work for aren't nearly as uniquely tortured as I am. I'm just the most special, depressed girl on this planet. That's just who I am. And maybe I am. (laughs) But I try to give things a shot where I can. You know, give it a shot however you can. Because it's so easy to learn about, like, okay, exercise is important. I get it. There are studies. But I can't get out of bed. So this is useless to me. Girl, flop around. Flop around in your bed like a dead fish. Pace around your room. That's level two. Take a walk around the block if you can manage it. I understand if (laughs) that's too much. I get it, queen. Leaving your apartment? Woof. Anyway, that's all I have to say. I'll be back with non-mental health content soon. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate it. And remember that not everything is terrible, even though, like, probably most of it is. Ugh, I should be a motivational speaker. Okay. Kisses. See you next time. Bye, Gorge.